Welcome to the Art of Unraveling podcast. My name is Erin McGuire, and I'm an empowerment coach and guide here to empower you into feeling completely worthy of a business and life that you love. This podcast is the place to learn how to unravel anything keeping you from that abundant, beautiful life that you so deserve. Nothing is off limits here as we navigate life through psychology, science, and spirit. Let's get into today's episode. Hi, and welcome back to another episode of The Art of Unraveling. I am really excited today to have some friends here uh, that drove down from Cedar Rapids, Iowa, and to visit me in Dubuque. Um, We have a couple of our 300-hour graduates from our yoga teacher training. They're now 500-hour. I'm getting corrected. They've done our 200-hour yoga teacher training and our 300-hour, and therefore that makes them 500-hour. And also Andrea, who is Andrea Parks, who is the co-teacher and owns Tula Yoga Studio. And uh, we wanted to get her on the podcast because we had a question at one of our most recent women's retreats. And somebody was asking, she was teaching about mindfulness, and we can't remember the question, but it was something to the effect of, you know, tell me more. Tell me more about mindfulness. And Andrea has been teaching yoga and mindfulness for many, many years now. And uh, I just wanted to get her expertise on the podcast. And I don't even know what to talk about how we met. Because how Andrea and I met was just really like, um, oh, I, I offered to teach a workshop at Tula. I was living in Los Angeles at the time. And uh, Andrea couldn't make that workshop or something. And then I ended up moving to Dubuque and offered to teach an eight-week kundalini for the chakra class. That's right. And on the eighth day, I was sitting there and I just had this like ping that happens to me sometimes. And it was like, ask Andrea if she's interested in teaching yoga teacher training. And so I did. And she's like, ah... I am, but I don't want to write that manual. And if you saw the manual, you'd understand because it's like two inches thick or more about that. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, that's funny because I come from a school where literally we have the manual already written. And she's like, tell me more. And the next, I think it was just like a month or two later, we were co-teaching our first yoga teacher training uh, in Cedar Rapids. So that was back in 2016. And it's been, we've been going ever since. (laughs) Yes, we have. So that's my introduction to Andrea. What else do you want to say? Well, I'm really excited that we made the trip to Dubuque to see you somewhere where I used to live for about eight years. So, um, and you were probably in college at that time at Co. And now I teach mindfulness at Co. So I just think it's interesting how many, uh, I don't know, not coincidences there are, just like full circle things. And the reason I was teaching the mindfulness part at the retreat is because I've gone through the MBSR program, MBSR standing for Mindfulness-Based Stress Reduction Program. I took that at Prairie Woods with Chris Klug, who I actually had taken a class for continuing ed for my high school teaching degree 
long before that um, on grief and dealing with grief, which I had totally forgotten about that until I just said that right now. Um, Yeah. So I had done continuing ed with him. And so I did the MBSR program with him, which is an eight week program. And I've been getting so many requests to do this mindfulness training at Tula that I am going to offer it. I'm just not sure exactly when yet, but we always... That's because a lot of people are really stressed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, it's true. But I know that it is needed and I will offer it, but our all of our classes, I would say, have a mindfulness component in it. At Tula, all the yoga classes have mindfulness. It's not just a workout. So I feel like we already do cover it, but so a lot of people want MBSR specifically. So I will do that probably in the fall, mindfulness-based stress reduction course. So I was teaching a mini course at the retreat, and that's how this all started. And I also teach mindfulness and meditation at Co College in Cedar Rapids. And so that's kind of how this started and how how we're doing the podcast now. Yeah, I love that. And um, I'm curious, Andrea, like – like, what was your first experience like with mindfulness yourself? Like, what's your story? Yes. What, why is it important to you? I thought about it because I was thinking, okay, what kind of questions is Aaron going to ask me? So I did think about this, and I remembered that really my first experience and my inspiration for even really falling in love with yoga started when I was 12 years old, believe it or not, and I was at Franklin Junior High in Cedar Rapids, and this woman who I'm friends with now and friends with her family, her daughter especially, um, Carol Harder, was teaching my, well, she was teaching part of like a leadership program. And then once in high school, I again got to work with her in she does National Council on Youth Leadership in Cedar Rapids and in California. But but this leadership program, she always puts some mindfulness in there. So even when I was 12 at my junior high, I was exposed to a guided meditation. And maybe more than just that, but I, I just remember this guided meditation that she took us through. It was the first time I'd ever um, lied down on the floor, closed my eyes and actually was led through like a guided meditation. And I just, I don't remember a ton about it, but I remember how I felt. And I remember feeling really calm and really connected and just felt really happy, I would say. And, but I never experienced it again until maybe once in high school with her. And then living in Dubuque, I was a high school teacher at Hempstead High School And I, just by chance, someone offered me a yoga mat because they had bought it when they were in Cedar Rapids. And they were like, I don't need this yoga mat. Do you want it? And I was like, sure. And I belong to this gym. And so I started taking a yoga class all because I had a yoga mat. (laughs) And I took a yoga class and that's how it started again. That was probably 1998. And so the rest is history. Then once I got to Cedar Rapids, I was hooked. And that's a long, another story, but how I ended up back in Cedar Rapids. And then I was, 
asked to do a yoga teacher training by my teacher, Marsha Neeland, at Fusion Yoga in Cedar Rapids. And then after that, I taught at a lot of different studios and then all of a sudden opened my own because I wanted more of a family yoga studio with prenatal yoga and all that good stuff, baby yoga and all that stuff. So all of the classes, even up, even with prenatal, we do a lot of mindfulness stuff. So that was my first experience in kind of like the history of how, and then because of Tula, Co-College found me and asked me to be their meditation teacher. And they get credit. It's a credited class. So it's not just part of the fitness, but I'm adjunct faculty there. So that's kind of that story. And it's funny because I, what, I'm going to tell you some information about me that I am not necessarily proud of, but I went to Co. And my freshman year, I maybe was not the best student. And there was a history class and the professor to my detriment or to my, in my defense, the professor was like, just like, I mean, I would fall asleep in class. It was so bad. And he would have these tests that were so hard. I ended up not doing well in that class. I've never been a history person. And they said, like, I don't know how they worked it out, but it's like, you could like kind of like get that class removed if I did a couple other, what are they called? Like extra credit or I don't know what yeah, they're called. Like smaller, point, smaller. Point two classes is what they are. Yeah. Point two classes. And so my first, one of those was yoga. So I tried yoga for the first time when I was a freshman and I thought it was the stupidest thing. I hated it because I was a runner. Literally, I was a long distance runner in high school and in college and my hamstrings were so tight. And I was like, this woman is asking me. So it's just funny. Yeah, I wonder who the teacher was back then. And what I year know. would it that I was in Dubuque? 2003. Probably. Oh, shoot. I was No, oh. no. That's when I graduated. Okay. okay now everybody knows my age. Um, <laughs> that would have been 19, so 1999, 2000. Okay, so that is when I was still living in Dubuque and I just started yoga again. Like I just had started yoga. So Andrea and I have this also. this weird, <laughs> we just keep, like, we crossed paths so many different times. It's funny. Yeah, it is funny. Anyway, that was a total side note. Yeah. Uh, mindfulness. Mindfulness. Back to <laughs> mindfulness. Sorry, you're bringing me back to college. And I just remember I got this yoga mat. It was really thin. And I just thought yoga was dumb. Um, I clearly had some things to learn. <laughs> yeah, and prob and who knows? I don't know who your teacher was or how that yoga class went, but maybe there wasn't as much mindfulness in it. Maybe it was more just asana, physical postures, a workout, and maybe it wasn't. But my class, which I was probably taking at the same time as you were in college at a fitness center here in Dubuque, I remember actually at the end of the class the teacher saying, doing some mindfulness things or, or just actually just bringing my attention or our attention to something in your body that maybe isn't working the way you want it mm. to. And it was definitely more than just physical. And so then I was like sparked again with the guided meditation type thing or just where your attention goes, which to me, that is what mindfulness is. It mm. is actually giving you the power to choose where your attention goes. And honestly, when I, I think back to when I lived in Dubuque and I was a high school teacher and I was in my twenties and 
I was still trying to figure things out, but I was definitely affected by my emotions so much and I could not control them. I felt like I was on a roller coaster and my emotions just would spill out. And it's not that you can't, you should let your emotions out. It's just that I didn't have very much control over anything. And now I think the way it has changed my my demeanor, I think I'm just much calmer and I understand more about how to control the thoughts that come into my head or even just to be able to choose which thoughts are helpful and which thoughts are not helpful and to ignore the ones that are not helpful. And it's just be, you become more discerning, which gives you this power. And actually, that teacher that I was saying to you from my middle school, well, we called it junior high back then, my junior high, uh, we she would say, and she still says at her NCYL, National Council on Youth Leadership seminar, she still says this, you have the power, the power to choose. And it's the same thing with your thinking. You don't have, not all thoughts are facts. I, I love that mantra. Thoughts are not facts. Mm-hmm. And so when I really can step back and see my thoughts and not just go with whatever I'm thinking, realizing, well, maybe that's not a helpful thought and just let that one float by. And then I get to choose, which gives me power over my emotions and whatever else. And so that's kind of what mindfulness is to me. And it also can get you, yes, you're in the present moment, but you can also get out of the present moment if you need to. And But this takes practice, of course. It's not like you can just do one little exercise and it be simple. But the more you practice it, just like going to the gym, it kind of becomes your default now. So Mm. you don't even have to try that hard anymore. I think that's a great analogy to bring up that I just want to highlight, like going to the gym right? You start out maybe only lifting five pounds of weight, doing bicep curls, and then over time, but it's not like the next day you're at 25, Mm -hmm. right? And so why do we do this where we think, you know, I can do something once and then I should just get it or... Or read a book about it and think, oh, now I know how to do this. No, you have to practice it. You have to do the work. You have to keep practicing. Right. And it's like a lifelong thing. It's, you know, it's a lifelong practice. I talk about that a lot in here. A lot of these things are there. Nothing is just a one and done. Yes. I had a question. What was it? Uh, um, oh, I know what it was because. So I was just talking to somebody today, actually, and they are prepping for an interview that they have tomorrow. So we'll send that person good vibes that they get that job. But they were, they've not had work for a while. And so they've been in a place of, you know, they're in their forties and it's like, I should be having a job by now. Like what's wrong with me? Why is this taking so long? Um, and it starts to, and I've been through this myself in my own business and it starts to kind of wither at your confidence. What would you tell somebody in that place? Like that's cause like it's so easy to get stuck. It's so yeah. easy to get, like, I see what you're saying about mindfulness, but it's so easy to start believing the negative thoughts. Right. So where she, you're so not just, you're meaning like not just in the interview, but how can she, 
not think these negative thoughts are true. Exactly. Yeah. Um, well, I think just having the awareness mm-hmm. that those thoughts are not helpful. And really, even if you, I think about this, if you, okay, so the interview is going to happen. You can either have a really good attitude about it. Uh, I am going to do well on this interview. It's going to be a good fit. And, and maybe it's a, you know, it's going to be a great job now, or you could think, oh, I'm going to do horribly. And I have a really hard time speaking to someone and I don't know what I'm going to say and I'm not going to get the job. Well, you don't know either one. You don't know what's going to happen. That's the future. As the future. So you just stay positive. And when those sneaky little negative thoughts come in, you just ignore them. That's it. You can only just ignore them. They might come back, but just ignore them and really make yourself focus. Even if it's like fake it to make it, focus on the good and imagine yourself getting the job and just maybe even seeing it and feeling it. And and to be honest, me. Now, I don't know anything about this situation, but let's say she didn't get the job for some reason or he, maybe that wasn't the job for them. I don't know. So not to be panicking about it because whatever, and maybe hoping for the best good, you know, the, the good for them. Right. But it's also, it's like, yes. And and in yoga, we have, uh, in the yoga sutras, we have, um, uh, what's called a parigraha. We also have, you know, one santosha that's contentment. It's like being, can you be content with whatever is? Yes. Right. Which is part of mindfulness. It's yeah. like seeing the thoughts pass like clouds. I think we get into trouble, especially when we get older and we're like, you know, things maybe were easier in this person's twenties or thirties to get a job. Now he's looking at something that's different. It's not what he's used to. It's a different field. Um, He's having to kind of switch things up. And so it's bringing up all this like lack of confidence and like, well, maybe I'm just not good enough or maybe this just isn't going to happen. So I think in that place, would you say mindfulness would be like even just watching those thoughts pass like clouds? It's like... Mm -hmm. Like, yes. And and maybe even thinking this is a lie. Like this Mm -hmm. is the per, this is the part of yourself that is self-sabotaging and not to believe it and just think about the positive because that's where this person would get the power to choose. That person gets the power Mm -hmm. to choose the positive thought or choose the negative thought. Yeah. And which one's helpful. Right. Yeah. How are you feeling when you're thinking yeah. you're not going to get it or you're not good enough to get jobs or whatever you're thinking? Yeah. And honestly, mindfulness practices help slow all that chatter down. Mm. So the more that you Ooh, practice it, the less of that stuff is going to come up. It's not that it clears your mind completely. It's just that it's more focused and there's more space in between the thoughts. Sometimes I picture Mm. the chatter as, have you ever seen, I don't know if they still have this, but the lottery balls that start like popping up everywhere, like in a big container. I think about that. Those are your thoughts. But then once you've done mindfulness practices enough, the little balls start slowing down and there's less. Or sometimes I use the train. (laughs) Snap clap. Sometimes I use the train analogy where, yes, all these chattered um, thoughts are going by as the train cars are going by. 
Can you stand back behind the protective guardrail and just watch the train cars go by instead of jumping on one of the thought train cars and mm. getting swept away by that thought? So you teach yourself to stay back. But also the train cars go by slower and slower and slower. So there's not as many of them that you're fighting with. If that, that may, if such, that makes sense. <laughs> no, I love as a visual person. I love yeah. visuals. And I think that's a really important point because I think so many people are like, they hear about mindfulness, they hear about yoga, they hear, hear about all these different techniques. And it's just like, but why? Why even, why do I need to do that? Mm -hmm. What she's saying is it's like a muscle. It's going to slow the thoughts down so you can actually get a grip on what you're thinking. Because right, if you're at that place where you're doubting yourself so bad that it's kind of making you tailspin, that means you're not aware of the thoughts. Yeah. Until you're spinning. Yeah. And then it's too late. Yeah. So what she's saying, if I'm getting this right, is that the mindfulness helps to slow it down. So now I can start to have those glimpses of, oh, ooh, there's that thought again. Okay. Now yes. I'm aware of it. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. And if you're a person who catastrophizes, catastrophizes I, <laughs> I know I I say horribleize my mom always says horribleize so if you're a horribleizer and you think the worst at all times and that is how I used to be a lot of times uh, I have really taught myself not to do that anymore but I it's not that I don't do it I just catch myself doing it and I'm also I'm almost talking to myself as if that horribleizing thought person is a different person than me. And I'll, I'll have this horrible thought and I'll say to myself, really, that's how you're going to think right now. That thought's really going to come up and waste your energy right now on that thought. But I've done this so long that now I can differentiate between that thought person and more of a positive person. And I, then you can stop it. Yeah. yeah. I love that. So... Do you, how yeah so the next step would be what are like the steps to somebody that's maybe they've heard about mindfulness maybe they've done some things in a yoga class but like I think in yoga sometimes it just kind of gets mixed together it's not like this is mindfulness and this is a yoga meditation right it just kind of right. mixes so if somebody is curious what's like a mind-based stress Mindful, yeah. Thank you. Mindfulness-based stress reduction Thank practice. You. Yeah, um, what's a practice they could start with? So one of the ones that I learned in MBSR is just a three-minute breathing space exercise, and it's super simple. You just are watching your breath, meaning paying attention to how you're breathing, and you set a timer for three minutes. And usually when I do this with the co-college students, I don't give them any tools except I just say... Pay attention to your breath for three minutes, and that's it. But there are different tools. You could use a mantra, a word that you repeat over and over again, or you can just count, counting to four on your inhale, counting to four on your exhale, noticing the pauses at the top of the inhale and the bottom of the exhale, and maybe making those pauses longer. These things keep your attention a little bit easier than just trying to notice your breathing. Um, so those are, I would recommend doing a three-minute breathing space exercise every day. Let's say for 30 days or something and just see how that 
works. Three minutes is not a lot. You could no. do it before you walk into somewhere, you know, in your car or before you wake up in the morning or before you go to sleep or any time that you have three minutes that you could set a timer. That's just a really easy one. And what's going to happen is you'll realize your thoughts don't stop. But you can become more and more aware of what thoughts you're having, and you can slow them down just by ignoring them. You just ignore them and bring your attention back to your breathing each time. Kind of like in Shavasana in a yoga class, at the end of yoga class, we do a deep relaxation. And this is where I really got the most practice, I would say, just in regular yoga class. And then mindfulness versus meditation, I personally believe mindfulness is the step right before you can get to a meditative state where you're kind of absorbed into the universe and, and you're just not, it's not maybe completely clear mind, but you're just so focused that you don't really notice anything going on around you possibly. Mm -hmm. And this all helps calm the nervous system, which can help with so many different things. And maybe even Tracy wants to talk about how that helped her yeah. in her journey. Maybe, Tracy? I just, yes. Tracy, sorry, one second. Because I just yeah, had a thought while you were talking. It's fun. I've never done a podcast with multiple people. So this is fun. <laughs> this is great. We're all trying not to laugh out loud around here. Um <laughs> I wanted to say, like, just something that popped in my mind. I can't remember now what you were saying, but, like, you were saying you kind of try to separate. You've learned to separate from that. Oh, the horribleizing The horribleizer. Person. Yeah. And it was like... Like a it was like, person. yeah, it's like a different person. It, it's like imagining that you have, like, this crickety, crackety, crickety old yeah. critic, you know, that's... And it, and it's like, would you let your friend talk to you like that? Would you let, mm -hmm. that's what we don't stop and think about. The things that we say to ourselves, we wouldn't let any other, I hope not, we wouldn't let any other person say to us. And yet we've got this part of us that if you've been around the podcast, you know, it's, it's a protective mechanism. It's comes sometimes from trauma. It comes from just being a human, but we wouldn't let anybody else talk to us like that. Right. So if you can begin to separate yourself and, make, you know, if you have to name it like negative Nancy or <laughs> yeah. Debbie Downer or whatever yeah. you want to name it, uh, that can help too. Yes. I think that's a good idea. I don't have a name for mine, but I'm going to maybe come up with one. Yeah. But he or she or whoever it is, maybe like an angel on one shoulder and a devil on the other one. And like, don't listen to the one that's not helping you, you know? Yeah. Just don't listen. Yeah. So, but it helps so much stuff in yeah. your nervous system. Totally. Let's turn it over to Tracy. This is, again, Tracy is uh, a graduate of our 500-hour yoga teacher training program, and she's also a fabulous hairstylist in Cedar Rapids, Tracy Deedee. So look her up if you're in the Cedar Rapids area. Yes. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Hello, everyone. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so glad we made this trip to Dubuque today with these wonderful girls that I've met over my journey. My journey actually started as I was thinking about it many, many years ago. Um, I, I believe that I was born with anxiety. Uh, I know that sounds funny, but 
Um, I do believe that I was born into this world with anxiety. And um, I really struggled with that for a really long time um, through um, my formative years, I would say, um, had my first panic attack when I was in English class when I was a junior, which was very strange because all of a sudden I got hot and I felt like I couldn't catch my breath. And I thought, oh, I must be sick. I must be getting a fever. And so I asked the the teacher to go to the bathroom, splash some water on my face. And all of a sudden, it just kept happening every day when I would have to go into that room and that space because, and I've learned throughout my anxiety journey, um, it's very it's very easy to, once you've had an experience, to replay it in your mind and to work yourself up. Now, some of this is an anxiety disorder that I, I believe I carry on genetically somewhat from my family on both sides, double whammy, lucky. And so uh, as I've gotten older, so I get out of high school and I go to college, have a bit of a college experience, but I'm, I'm just overwhelmed with anxiety at every moment of my life, having to pull over and breathe and having to pull over and calm myself down. And so I was sitting and watching an Oprah show one night and she started talking about anxiety disorders. And And so um, I felt for the first time that maybe this was something I could change. And, and she mentioned mindfulness, she mentioned breathing, but I wasn't quite ready to hear that at that point. I was ready to hear medicine. There's medicine for this. And so I went, yay. Skeptical, but I eventually worked up the nerve to call a psychiatrist, which back in the 90s, I, you know, none of my friends were really saying they saw a psychiatrist. And so I called just some random psychologist, well, psychiatrist, and and I went in and he pegged me. He just said, I bet you do this. I bet you do this. I bet you do this. And so he did put me on medication and I did start to feel better. And so journey about three or four years later, wanting to have a baby and um, just not being able to uh, get pregnant, which was very frustrating. And, and everyone would say, oh, you have to do this. You have to do this. And I'd say, okay, well, I'll try it. And so um, eventually, with enough infertility um, inseminations and such, we decided to do in vitro. And when we got ready to do in vitro, I said to myself, well, in fact, what came first was someone gave me a massage down at St. Luke's uh, Women's Center. And I said, oh, what's that about? So I went down there, and after my massage, they had some really unique things that I had never seen, maybe some crystals. And there was a pamphlet that I picked up that was talking about yoga and mindfulness. And I said to myself, huh, I wonder about that. I'm going to look into that a little bit. So I decided as the date came up for our um, uh, appointment down in Iowa City, I decided maybe I want to get get in and do some yoga. Maybe if I was able to calm my nervous system, because it's just very overactive with anxiety, maybe if one of these modalities could help me calm my system, maybe, maybe I could calm myself enough 
to bring a baby or what turned out to be babies into the world, into a calm body. And so I went to my first yoga class down there and it was very strange. And I was like, I don't know how this works. And I walked in and I was like, oh, get a mat. Okay, I I need a mat. So throughout uh, the yoga, uh, you know, the teacher would say, feel into your, you know, arms. And I would be like, well, they're arms, you know, what, what is it to feel into them? They're arms, they're there. Like I feel into them every day. No, consciously bring your awareness to your arms. And I thought, oh, that's strange. Okay, I'm going to try this. So all of a sudden I thought, okay, I can feel my arms. And then later on, you know, she would say, you know, be here. Let's be here. Don't let your mind thinking about a million things that you have to do after this. Just be present with your body right now and your breathing. And I thought, how do I do that? I don't even, that is the most, that is the strangest concept to me I've ever heard. How do I not think of a million things? That's, that's just what, that's just who I am. That's what I thought anxiety had made me into. And so I thought, okay. I'm going to I'm going to do this. I'm going to sit and breathe, however silly I feel. At the end in Shavasana as she's taking us through a guided meditation and I'm like, "Okay." She says, "You know, feel your belly rising as you inhale and as you exhale, feel what your body's doing in your diaphragm and your lungs and feel how your body's moving." And I thought, "What a novel concept." Actually thinking about and actually being in your body instead of in your head all the time. I felt like I had awakened to something. I thought, you know, all of a sudden, this anxiety-ridden person that had always lived up in her head was now feeling into her body. And I, I just didn't quite grasp that concept fully at that time. But I was... I. I was able to really enjoy weekly yoga classes. And with each week, I just felt more and more relaxed. And I was able to get pregnant and I have 24-year-old twins. So that was wonderful. And uh, I would say I kind of well, raising them not not as mindfully, but um, trying to be mindful in my raising of kids and having relationships. But um, what really sparked me into getting really heavy into yoga is 2020, as we know, with the pandemic hitting. I just felt the calling to really um, uh, get into helping people overcome the worry that they're, the anxiety that's out there. I could feel the gunk in the air. When you talk to people, you could just feel their energy as if they were pushing down this constant anxiety. And I think of myself as a 10-year-old girl thinking, if I would have had this happen, a pandemic, I would have been sucking my thumb in the corner. Like, I would not have been able to handle it. And here we have, you know, kids that are growing up right now. We have elderly. We have people that are trying to work. And this is just too much. So that's when I really felt like a calling to get into mindfulness and meditation and really just be able to bring it to people everywhere. 
And I also have the modality of being um, being a hairstylist. So I have that I have the ability to be close to people um, and to kind of be in their bubbles and their safe zone. So I felt that that gave, gave me the opportunity to really talk to them about stress relief and how how they're dealing with all their thoughts and have they ever thought about just taking a few moments just to breathe and just taking a few moments to feel feel into their body and so that led me to yoga teacher training and that's when I did my 200 hour and very quickly started teaching and then very quickly as Erin and Andrea offered a 300 hour program I I signed up immediately I said yes and I have, um, I have, I just, I don't regret one moment of it. I absolutely feel like this journey has been transformative. So good, Tracy. Oh my gosh. So good. Thank you for sharing your story, Tracy. I love that. I think a lot of people can relate to the anxiety and yeah, just being born with it. It's epigenetics. You know, it's science, if anybody wants to argue. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, Epigenetically, we pass things down in our generational lines. So I, too, I mean, I think I shared this in a podcast recently, but my grandma always used to say her her maiden name is Bird. So the joke is we're literally birds. Uh, She would always talk about the bird's nerves. So and she Mm -hmm. was super anxious. I remember when William met her the first time. He was he told she told him to sit down. She was make he was making her nervous. <laughs> um, so I, yeah, that stuff gets passed down, no doubt. For sure. Yeah. And how you said out of your head and into your body—that's mindfulness for yes. sure. And that's one of the ways to get out of it. And the breath is part of your body. Feeling where your arms are like a body scan that's part of MBSR. Yeah, so lots of cool things. Very good. And it all relates. We talk a lot about it, too, in nervous system work, right? Mm -hmm. So it's, I think we're all kind of doing mindfulness, but I like that Andrea kind of brought structure to what it is. Like, it's a practice, just like the practice of yoga, just like going to the gym. It's a practice. Mm -hmm. You got to work the muscle. You have to do the work. You got to do the work. Yes. Anything else, Andrea, before I kind of just sum up a few things that you said that you want to share? I don't think so. I think this has been great and I just appreciate it. And I hope it it's, uh, sparks other people to do the practice more just to be helpful in their own lives because then it spreads to other people. The ripple effect. Ripple effect, yes. So just a couple of things I wrote down that I just want to re- reiterate that Andrea said. Choose where your attention goes. So it helps you to choose where your attention goes. And your energy is so, that's your most valuable asset, your energy and your health, right? Without those, I can attest, like with chronic fatigue, when I had that, I was in bed at like 1 p.m. every day. Like that's not a life, right? Your energy and your health without that, like you don't really have a lot. So where you put that precious energy, choose where your attention goes, where you put that precious energy and attention is, so what thoughts are you giving energy? Yes. 
Because thoughts are energy. Because thoughts are energy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so if, you, if you're doubting yourself and thinking, I'm not going to get the job or I'm going to be single forever or this is the worst time of my life because I'm in the middle of a divorce or my health is failing and I'm a terrible parent or whatever the shit that you're thinking, you're giving your energy to that, your power. So careful of what you wish for, because what you're thinking, you're making wishes for. So careful. Yeah. It's this, you're casting a spell. <laughs> yes. They call, that's why they call it spelling. I remember hearing that once. They yeah. call it spelling because everything you say, you're casting a spell. Yeah. I know. And thinking. And thinking. So watch your thoughts. And that's, we're not, I just want to make a note because I feel like sometimes I hear what people think that are listening. That, let's be clear. This isn't toxic positivity where it's just like, my life is in shambles, but I'm fine. Everything's great. It's not like, <laughs> you know, we're not, we're not saying tox, we're not behind the toxic positivity. We're saying mindfulness is, you can have those thoughts. You can have the thought that like, I'm a terrible parent and let that pass like a cloud. But if you start Abraham Hicks says you have 17 seconds. You have 17 seconds after you think a thought before you'll get on the train mm. and more and more and more and more will come. So in those 17 seconds, you can go, okay, why am I having these terrible thoughts about myself right now? Is that Does that make me feel good? Is that useful? Yeah. And if I really think I'm a terrible parent, for example, I mean, that's a horrible example. Let's talk about the like the interview one, like, you know, I'm not going to get the job. Okay. What can I do to be, maybe that is part of you trying to protect you so that you can be really good in that interview. So what could I do right now to prepare myself for the interview tomorrow so that I go in more confidently? Like we don't have to dismiss the thought. We can say what's useful here. Hmm. Maybe I'm not quite as prepared for this as I think I am. I'm going to go back and read some of the company material or whatever the case may be. Right. Like, you don't have to just pretend like everything's hunky-dory. Yeah, I remember someone said to me, aren't you a yogi? How how are you angry about something? And I'm, I think, no, 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 no. Being a yogi is just knowing your truth and being able to express it. It's just, it's not all sunshine and roses all the time. It's real life, but you actually get to choose your thoughts and thinking and, and whatever you're going to uh, step on the train with and where do you want to go with this? Like you said, 17 seconds. That's good. Yeah. 17 seconds. So yeah. Choose where your attention goes. The next little bit I wanted to reiterate are thoughts are not facts. My mantra. Thoughts, <laughs> thoughts are not are facts. facts. <laughs> Make that your mantra. So yeah, if you're thinking, you know, you can't do X, Y, Z, or you're not good enough. It's yeah. not a fact. Yeah. It's not a fact. You could sit down and write 45 ways you are good enough. Yeah. Um, what was it? Have the power, the power to choose. Yeah. You have the power, the power, the power to, to choose. choose. Yeah. Which kind of goes back to the beginning. We want to reiterate the lottery balls. Yeah, I so love that. I love that. they're coming out more slowly with the practice of mindfulness. Yes. They'll okay. slow down. I think that's it. Okay. Yeah. I guess that's everything. I always like to ask um, anybody that I interview the question for somebody that's in the middle of something really hard right now, 
they're unraveling. It's the art of unraveling. They're unraveling something really hard, which who isn't right now? What would you tell that person? It doesn't have to be mindfulness related, just off the cuff. I do remember thinking, I I feel like I heard this from Oprah too, which is funny that Tracy and I are just kind of like that same age where we're very influenced by the Oprah show back in the day. (laughs) Um, I just remember learning when you don't know what to do, don't do anything at all. Just wait for a second. Don't panic and don't make a, don't make a knee jerk reaction. Just take a pause Maybe do your three-minute breathing space exercise, and then maybe the the right answer will bubble up more Mm. and be more beneficial. So the first thing that came up to me was just don't do anything at all if you're not quite sure. Just wait for a second. And it's not why. What's the rush? Like I don't know. Yeah, and don't maybe do the breath. Just do that. Do the the breath that Andrea talked about. Yeah, yeah. You're not. You can't make a rational decision from panic or fear or anxiety yes you have to get in the the space where you're a little bit more settled calm and then you can make an intelligent decision rather than just a knee jerk jerk reaction yeah yeah okay all right we are We are running out of time, and we thank you all for being here. Thank you, Andrea and Tracy and Stacy, all for being here. Ready for our girls' night out. Yeah, we're going to go get some dinner in Dubuque and go out on the town. Look out. Yogis, (laughs) they're letting the yogis loose. (laughs) So thank you, all of you, for listening to this podcast. If you liked it, please share. Uh, We'd be so grateful if you shared it with your social media, your family, your friends. Um, Andrea's information will be underneath this podcast to check out her up and coming mindfulness course. And yeah, thanks for listening. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you liked this episode, make sure you subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. If you would like to connect with me more, you can find my website, my services, and my social media links all in the description of this episode. Remember, You are a beautiful and divine and powerful being, and it's time to own it.